0: Welcome to the Curvy Culture Podcast, I'm Andrea Westbrook and my mission is to create a world where everyone feels that they can thrive, regardless of their body size. I acknowledge the Yuggera and Turbal nations as the traditional custodians of the land on which I live, work and learn, and their continuing connection to the land, water and community. I pay respect to them and their elders, past, present and emerging. All content related to this program is for general informational purposes only and may contain stories and discussions about diet culture, weight loss, disordered eating, weight stigma, fat phobia and anti-fat bias that may be disturbing to some listeners. If you are concerned about yourself or someone you know, please seek professional and individual help and support. Hello my friend. And welcome to episode 5 of the Curvy Culture Podcast. Today we are speaking with the magnificent Arneen Asan. Arneen is a certified life and relationship coach who works with her clients to help them thrive in their relationships as they create and conquer their dream lives. But Arneen hasn't always been a life coach. In fact, she had a very extensive career in human resources. And today Arneen's going to share with us Her journey as a juicy and voluptuous woman and her experiences with fat phobia, particularly how fat phobia impacted her at the height of her career. And she's also going to share with you some tips about what you can do if you're facing or experiencing fat phobia in your career, too. So I hope you enjoy this episode. Hi, Arneen. Welcome to the Curvy Culture Podcast. Hello. It's so good to have you here.
1: Oh, thank you. It's good to be here. I'm so excited about the conversation we're going to have today.
0: (laughs) I am too. And I want to share with you, dear listener, that while I was preparing for this interview with Arneen, I was actually taken back to uh, my trip to Hawaii, because that is where Arneen and I actually had the pleasure of meeting we're both coaches through uh who studied with the beautiful you coaching academy and we're both attending the inspiration day they held in Hawaii in November last year and mm-hmm. Arneen was I don't know how to describe this but Anine played a very special role for me in that trip in that she was my coach my cheer squad my support person when it came to achieving <laughs> one of my lifelong goals of driving a red convertible in the USA weren't you Arneen yes. <laughs> yes. oh. and we had Yeah, it was such a fun day and we had so many fun conversations, but we also had uh, some really heartfelt conversations about the work we do and our lived experience as being fat. And that is what we're here to chat about with Arneen today. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to kick it off, Arneen. Let's get straight into the good stuff. How would you describe your relationship with weight stigma and fat phobia. Mm.
1: Yes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> let's,
1: let's get into the big questions mm. straight away because mm-hmm. this
0: conversation is
1: going to be juicy regardless. Yes.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: No, so I um I just wanted to say, you know, just acknowledge all the listeners before I answer mm-hmm. this question and before I answer this question what I what I really want to say almost as a precursor is that I think my, my journey or my experience Mm -hmm. with size exclusion and fat phobia has been very similar to a lot of other plus size women, Um, a lot of other curvy women, a lot of other overweight women, Mm -hmm. a lot of other, I don't like these words, but but obese or fat women. Mm Yeah. And the reason I chose to use all those words is because I, I, for a second, I I want the listeners who are listening to this to try and feel into how each of those words actually feel in your body. I was Mm resistant to say the last two. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's because, you know, those two words are used so bluntly
0: Mm -hmm. everywhere,
1: right? Because that is society's coin, that is Mm -hmm. the way society defines plus size women, bigger women, curvy women, you know, yeah. we don't really have these dichotomies. Um, and when we do, it comes from people who want to consciously describe different types of bodies, right? Mm. It yeah. comes from people whose intention is to describe different types of bodies that are bigger than an average slim person's body. Yeah, um, And that comes from the intention of size inclusion right and Mm -hmm. so a lot of people say that that's political being politically correct and and i just want to i really just want to just address that for for a very brief moment before Mm i i start talking about you know what my experience and and journey has been with fat phobia and and, and size exclusion Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. because i i do think it's been more that than size inclusion i think okay yep i i think um I think size inclusion has been, it has been more of a recent journey than it has mm-hmm. been my entire life. And I'm so mm. certain that many other women mm-hmm. um, are going to feel this way. So mm-hmm. just after that, <laughs> it was yep. Just, yep. I, um, you know, how I would, I would have to take us back to origins. I would have to take us back to little Arneen. Mm-hmm. Um, so look, I have been a, plus size or chunkier or thicker or, you know, larger size mm-hmm. or curvier, however, the however the heck you want to say it, mm-hmm. uh, gal, uh, my whole life, basically, yeah. you know, yeah. I was a cute little chubbier baby, <laughs> you know, I had full cheeks and long eyelashes. And so I came out of the womb <laughs> probably a little bit. I didn't, I don't think I looked chunky, but I think I just was chunky because I was a heavier baby. Right. Mm-hmm. So um, all throughout my pretty much, I guess, my formative childhood, which is usually between the ages of three and seven, mm-hmm. uh, I was just cute chubby. <laughs> yeah. I was a child, yeah. Right? yeah. And um, so to be completely honest with you, uh, my journey around fat phobia really started there because the culture that I mm. grew up in. As a Southeast Asian woman, I grew up in Bangladesh for the first four years of my life. And Mm fat phobia is uh, just ginormous. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's it's bigger. It was a bigger experience for me growing up than it actually was later in my adult life. And that obviously formed a lot of my beliefs or a lot of my insecurities and a lot of my confusion Mm. when I was Mm. really young around the rejection of my body or the rejection Mm. of me because Mm. i wasn't really really slim and i want to point out that uh, you know most southeast asian countries uh, are poverty poverty stricken countries so the mindset around not eating enough or food is an incredibly scarcity based mindset Mm for people who are of a lower socioeconomic
0: Mm -hmm. yep
1: Yep. I wasn't, right? I, I didn't grow up in in that kind of a yep. situation. I didn't grow up up in a village or rurally. And although I saw poverty everywhere I went because it was mm-hmm. all around, I grew up in a middle-class family. Mm-hmm. So the difference between that is also stu- stark because you have people all around you who are suffering coming come from a place of poverty. Mm-hmm. They
0: don't mm-hmm.
1: have food. They don't have nutrition yep. enough to nourish their bodies. Therefore, they're very, very, very skinny. So they're malnourished, yep. right? And that's a completely different conversation. Yeah, However, yeah. The focus from when I was really young, as messed up as it might sound, was actually, it was about vanity. It was a conversation about vanity. Okay. And in the culture that I grew up in and, and came from, size exclusion was the norm. Fat phobia was the norm. It yeah, was. okay. Right okay. Or you're slim because that yep. makes you socially acceptable and look good. you're not yeah and the reason I'm explaining that is because yeah is that an average size body and I say this you know people have different perceptions on what that is but yeah average size body could be somebody that weighs 50 kilos 60 kilos 70 80 even 90 to me Mm. Mm -hmm. and so in the culture I grew up in because a lot of that is centered around you know maybe Bollywood or TV or mm. not social media, but more traditional media. And because it is very vanity driven, especially among women, there's a mm. lot of really toxic and unhealthy project- projection, unfortunately, mm. that goes, um, to children from a really young age about how yep. they their bodies. Yeah. And then, yep. so, so that's where it really started. And I was so uh, super young. So, of course, I wasn't mm. as aware of what all of this meant, whether it was bad or yep. good. I was just taught that you know if you're not really really slim, and I'm talking really slim, then mm-hmm. um, you're not as beautiful, you're not as worthy, you're not as socially acceptable, yeah. and if you're not slim, then you're fat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right, so there's, yeah. No, there's no there's only in between. Yeah, now, yeah. I was I was not a, a severely overweight child, right? Yeah, but I was overweight. And I say that in mm-hmm. quotation marks. Yeah, into yeah. what the culture of my society perceived yeah. as yeah overweight. Yeah, and so as a result, um, the conversations in my household were never about health, really. I mean, my d- my dad's actually a doctor, and so the conversation about health developed a lot later. So when yeah. I was that, that's what I was looking mm. at very binary thinking, mm. right? And that's yeah, yeah, that the society we now live in and fat phobia. Yep. Fat phobia really is. What it is, is binary thinking. Mm. And binary thinking, I'm saying it's this or that thinking, it's black or white. Yeah, thinking.
0: Yeah. yeah, absolutely.
1: And, and any gray area in between isn't as entertained or isn't given mm. as much validity, isn't explored in a deeper yeah. way. Therefore, you know, it's easier to put it in, in the fuck it bucket and you yeah. know, maybe yeah. it's not worth talking about. Yeah, yeah. You know?
0: And of course, as yeah. you
1: know, it's because it makes people feel uncomfortable. Yeah. And, you know other yep. people who have fat phobia yeah phobia onto other people also grew up with certain mentalities or mindsets or perceptions around what fat is mm. what you know mm-hmm. undesirable weight is versus yep. what is it <laughs> yeah
0: yeah absolutely in that, in that sense yep.
1: I think yeah I think yeah. my journey started I mean quite similarly to a lot of people who grew up in, in yep. the culture I any, anyone who comes from a culture will be able to relate exactly to what I'm saying yeah but you know what I've seen that do to people in, in my cultural community and whether you're from Pakistan or India or Bangladesh or and it could be Thailand or Vietnam or wherever whether you're fr- if you're from that side of the continent you know exactly what I'm talking about
0: yeah yeah, it's yeah a really okay. stronger version,
1: right to yeah
0: um
1: to yeah. having more weight on you having more weight on your bones yeah and um I think a lot of women who grew up in my culture develop a lot of body image and self-esteem issues as a result of that and they start becoming really hyper vigilant around how they look because of that. Mm. yeah and um yeah so interestingly enough and kind of luckily actually i did move to New Zealand when i was four but the fact that i still remember yeah. that you know as the first four my life is Mm -hmm. is pretty profound and that i'm able to share
0: today yeah yeah can i just i just want to jump in there for a moment and just thank you for sharing that because i think in uh western society we have a misperception of uh how weight is perceived in Asian and Southeast Asian cultures that we have been taught a, a trope or a stereotype that if you're if you're of a bigger size, it means that you're wealthy mm-hmm. and that people look up to you and hold you in, in high esteem. But I really, I understand and I've spoken to other people from similar cultures as yours who've said that might have been the case uh, quite a few years ago they they kind of doubt it but can't really comment because they they weren't alive then I'm talking like in the 1940s and and mm-hmm. earlier so I really want to say thank you for clearing up that that misperception and and, and sharing that yeah, with of us of course I think it's so important yeah. i really it's
1: yeah. so important to to yeah. talk about the difference in cultural stereotypes but also really acknowledge yep. without you know any BS and any any softening be really raw and just upfront about the fact that yep. this is what goes on within certain yeah. cultural society you know they essentially there's some societies yep. right and it doesn't necessarily have to just yep. exist in Western culture. I genuinely think yep. that Western culture is more progressive of course around fat phobia but you go to any developing country in the world, you're going to get a very different perception in the year 2023. Mm. And I can tell you right now that if I went Mm. back home as a, by the way, still curvy woman,
0: (laughs) um,
1: (laughs) there would be conversations brought up straight away. I Mm -hmm. actually had an Uber driver who was from a similar background not too long ago. This was a few weeks ago who, um, felt the need to comment on my body now he wasn't doing it in a derogatory way but the way yep. that he did it yeah. it just reminded me and I was like this is this is his conditioning he thinks it's okay yep.
0: to yeah. you know
1: comment on my body when he's at work mm-hmm. driving an uber for me his messenger mm-hmm. and there's no yep. you know, there's no hesitation stopping him from from doing it and so unfortunately yep. when I when I do address the cultural differences um men will form a perception around that that gives them permission it doesn't actually but in that in that world it gives yep. them permission to criticize women's bodies and this is where a lot mm. of that systemic misogyny comes from when we're mm. talking about fatphobia and whether it mm. comes more from men or women and I, I don't think the should be mm. does it come more from men and women? I mean, I really think the conversation should be where is the root of of where it's existing, and what does that mean for yeah. all of us who go on our journey for be, of being curvy plus size overweight or yeah. fat? <laughs> yeah, and yeah. you know, and how do we have how do we have healthier conversations where we are advocating for ourselves? Mm. Yeah, and you would obviously agree with that. Yeah, right? absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So no, of yeah. course, no problem. I just think it's really important to, to address that. Um, the other thing I just wanted yeah. to say to, um, I guess, look at the rest of my, my journey and be able to some way mm-hmm. that I guess captures what, what we need to is probably that it's important to just touch on one last point about the, the cultural yeah. stigma. Um, which is that women are actually mm. taught, uh, unfortunately they're taught that you are undesirable to a man from a very, very young age. And that mm. if you gain weight, not necessarily if you are overweight, if you gain weight, then that correlates mm. to you being less beautiful, less pretty. Again, this whole mindset center on yep. Less valuable. Yes, but the toxic messaging around a mm-hmm. man will not accept you or love you let alone mm-hmm. marry you
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, because the yep. end goal really is, is marriage and, and I grew up in mm. um, so you're less desirable yep. period to a man you will never yep. be loved accepted mm-hmm. fully accepted mm-hmm. and they're not going to want to marry mm-hmm. you if you gain weight don't yeah. control your weight and gosh forbid you're overweight then you're done so <laughs> yeah
0: <laughs> so you're less yeah exactly unless um, yeah marriage I've had that same <laughs> yeah yeah so same so messaging, yeah. Too. So, I mean, yeah. of
1: course, that might be triggering for some people to hear. And I am hearing you so mm-hmm. hard, I laugh about it now. How untrue mm-hmm. it is. Um, because my mm-hmm. dating life is popping, let's be honest,
0: <laughs> yeah. But also, we know that marriage isn't the end goal anymore. Like, I think women have moved well, some women, a lot of us have moved beyond yeah. that as the end goal for our our fulfilled yeah. life there is much more to a fulfill fulfilling life than being married and you know for a lot of people that is part of it and that's wonderful but also for some people they they can be fulfilled without yeah, being married absolutely 100% and so yeah. yeah and
1: just to wrap that up you know that i what i had mm-hmm. to decondition for myself as a, mm-hmm. a, a late teen and an adult where my mind stopped changing yep. as probably as rapidly was just mm. learning how to accept the way that I looked, and luckily mm-hmm. I didn't have too many body image issues when I mean that almost they were non-existent when I was a teen. I don't know how i I must have like a super shield or something in terms of the way that I, I was thinking. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, but it did. Right. Start, it did yep. start affecting me more um, in
1: my early twenties and in my mid twenties as okay as I started to get older as as I ate. I'm not that yeah old now. I'm in my early 30s but mm-hmm. the last let's just say the last decade if I'm being honest, yeah, is, okay. is where it started creeping yeah. up more I that's yeah why do you I think that is say that you know that I think a lot of it is subconscious programming subconscious meaning it's in the mm-hmm. back of your mind it's not something you're always aware of and
0: yeah as we get older yeah.
1: I think because life changes, right? Demands change. You go out into the world of work. Mm-hmm. You go out into the world of dating. Yes. And these things are some more serious yeah. things that you're trying to attain or navigate or work through.
0: Mm-hmm. That's
1: where you are truly met with real life resistance or judgment or right yeah. so it was it was yeah. different, yeah you know and that started out obviously mm-hmm. um the world of work which i'm sure we're going to talk about
0: when, yeah. when yeah. i was
1: dating although it's less of a problem now and so in my mind what was happening and this is what happens to the brain is that when yeah. we get some type of trigger that's familiar to messages we learnt when we were younger growing up things that our parents said things we consumed on social media or me traditional yeah mm-hmm. um yeah whatever it is that we've somehow adopted and absorbed across our lives all this comes to the surface when you're actually being confronted with whatever it is that's triggering you about your your body your size yeah the way that you yeah are. so yeah you know yeah. i don't fundamentally believe that i am ugly or that i am unworthy right or mm-hmm. yeah i because I am a plus size woman that has any type of bearing on my self-worth, right? But it has yep. at moments taken a little bit of work, an active work, you know, Yeah, challenge. Yeah. When I was feeling insecure, or even to this day, if I do sometimes still have those feelings come up in shame, yeah. knowing that, like, where has that come from? And does that belong to yeah. me? You know, Because I can yep. tell you right now that based on everything I've shared so far... A lot of that sits with me because it's been told to me or projected onto me. And I was, many of yeah. people listening yeah. will hold that judgment, but it's other people's judgment, you know? And the, yeah. the trick is to yeah. decipher yeah. between, is this my own judgment and criticism of myself? Is this truly what is happening when I'm like, mm-hmm. I am less yeah. than or that my body is a problem for whatever reason? Or is yeah. this me just carrying everybody else's bullshit that's been projected onto me all this crap yeah. that I've somehow absorbed you know over the course of my life and yeah. for me it was mostly the latter yeah. because I, I and that's yeah. when the conversation shifted and this was think, exactly yeah, about three awesome. years ago where the conversation for me truly shifted from look at me the way that I look through everyone else's eyes who's offended or sees it problematic to whatever degree versus can the conversation be about health you know can mm-hmm. the conversation be mm-hmm. about because that is to me that is the only valid argument against being curvy overweight fat obese you know but i want to say obese is a medical term can we just i, I fucking hate i really yeah. do uh, because yeah yeah say,
0: yeah, you know, yeah western
1: and traditional medicine and doctors um they don't have all the answers they, they really really yeah, yeah. Um, and so, yeah. so for me, the conversation a few years ago shifted to the topic of health because I started to feel as I was yeah. getting older and and heading my late twenties and my early thirties that my capacity for fitness started to change, right? And so then I started
0: actually questions mm-hmm. yeah. around, yeah, what does yeah. It yeah,
1: even matter like what we look like. Well, I mean, what, why does it truly really matter? Because yeah. I find curvy women so freaking beautiful. I am a cisgender heterosexual mm-hmm. woman. I'm into men, just to quickly, mm-hmm. <laughs> quickly clarify that. Yeah, I find yeah. so many different body types genuinely so beautiful. And I find curvy and yeah. plus size women so truly so beautiful. And you know, yeah. I started yep. having healthier conversations with the men I was dating around body image as a man, body image as a female, my body, mm-hmm. you know, how that. Yeah, yeah, and it just really shifted the conversation being so transparent about all of this to shift the conversation yeah. around um me landing on now the conclusion i'm about to share with you which is that i only feel as though the only time where being bigger is somewhat problematic is if it directly mm-hmm. impacts your health to some degree you know because yeah, the conversation yeah, yeah. about health and well-being yeah. is so important you know and somehow we have yeah. this we've developed this very um you know influencer influencer washed culture around well-being and fitness industry i'm mm-hmm. sorry is is broke it, it's completely broke and it's mm-hmm. completely image centered and um mm-hmm. even the wellness space you know spirituality yoga mm-hmm. that whole space everything is so yeah. saturated within within social media right and the influencer mm-hmm. mentality and culture like we somehow yeah. we have forgotten how to compartmentalize and dissect what actually matters so I really yeah
0: yeah point out yeah, and drive that yeah. because yeah oh gosh yeah. had
1: I realized that sooner I would have had a much easier mm-hmm. time and healthier yeah yeah yeah
0: absolutely. yeah absolutely absolutely Yeah, and if you want to hear about someone who is sort of blowing up the status quo of the fitness industry, have a listen to episode four of my podcast where I interview Sally McWilliam because she's a personal trainer who's trying to really buck the trend. that trend of weight loss. She doesn't weigh her, her or measure her clients. She's really moving towards how does exercise and, and health yes. make you feel. So yeah, which is ultimately the most important thing is how you feel yeah. about yourself and within yeah. yourself. Not, not your size or what exactly. you look like.
1: Yeah, and yeah. Thing. Yeah. Um, I I wanted to just be very open. I'm a little bit nervous to share this, but look, I am coming in here like an open book. But is I thank um, you. I wanted to talk about eating disorders for a second, and I know that although that's mm-hmm. not the focus of this episode, um, yeah, I know for a fact that there's going to be at least one or more listener who is going to listen to this that is not going to want to talk about this because they're feeling a lot of inherent shame and Mm. having an eating disorder or developing an eating disorder, whether it's diagnosed or undiagnosed as a result of your relationship with your weight or your body image and the way that you look and have Mm -hmm. experienced life in the world as a plus size or curvy woman, doesn't mean that you have to be categorized into being you know, starkly bulimic, for example. And I say that mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. I, for the longest time, yeah. had no idea that I had actually developed a mild eating disorder, which was that I was emotionally, in- mm-hmm. I was stressed and emotionally eating. Mm-hmm. You know? And yeah. I, and that was when I was a lot younger, right? And so I didn't, yeah, you know, it just obviously didn't yeah. click for me. I just wasn't aware of it. Yeah,
0: um, yeah. And yeah. When I started yeah.
1: and where this really yeah. kicked in for me, Andrea, was, when I was actually probably ironically at my peak in my corporate career when this really kicked Mm. in. And it was because I was experiencing fat phobia, Mm. not to a severe degree, but it was almost worse Mm -hmm. because it wasn't to a severe degree.
0: Okay. And from, how interesting.
1: And so, and I had never, I truly had never experienced that before. And it was so mm. new to me, but mm. what I didn't realize was happening was that I was actually a mild eating disorder mm. in, the, in the
0: yeah, period, yeah, and yeah. And I do, and want, yeah, or emotional
1: eating yeah, because I was carrying not only massive responsibility at work for the role that I had, yeah, but yeah, that I was dealing with these, you know, these cues of fat phobia within the, the
0: mm. corporate world.
1: Um, and it was so new to me, yeah. and I was like, oh, fuck, here we go, do I have yeah. to deal with
0: work? Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, thank you so much for sharing that with us. And I do want to acknowledge that there is a tendency in our culture to believe that eating disorders belong in the realm of people with smaller bodies, but there is evidence and research out there now. And I know people like Serena Nungia talk about this and Shavis Turner talk about it, that eating disorders are not limited to one body shape or size. People in larger bodies can experience eating disorders and I really want to stop and acknowledge that. And, of course... If there is anyone who does need in support in that space or you, someone close to you, please reach out and seek that support. I do have a little content warning at the beginning of the podcast just to let people know that we might be talking about this sort of thing. So I just wanted to call that out, Arne, because I wasn't sure if you were, no, <laughs> were no, no, aware that I, I have got that little call out to, I was just trying to, to, to say to people. Back, so out. I have taken that um, yeah, very responsibly because I know that these sort sorts of conversations can ignite emotions in people and can heighten the things that they're experiencing so please if if you are experiencing this do do seek support Arneen, I want to I really want to touch on what you're saying about how uh you started to experience that at the height of your career and and if you know you wouldn't mind sharing some of the fat phobia that you've experienced through your career and how that's impacted you in Obviously through the eating disorder, but in what other ways did that impact you? Yeah, yeah,
1: of course, totally. I mean, look, I, the, before I get to the eating disorder part, my my story about the and I say mild eating disorder because sometimes they can be so subtle, and our you know our minds have learned yeah. to somehow acknowledge or categorise mental health yeah. or any type of the way that we might struggle around our well being as extreme case scenario. Right, it has to fall in the bucket where. Yeah. Mine didn't, but the impact that it had on my body and my mental health was worse mm. than, mm. you know, and, and sometimes that's, that's problematic and risky and dangerous.
0: Yep. Yep. yeah.
1: And so before we get, get to that mm. part and sharing that, um, the interesting thing was actually, I was my healthiest when I, so a bit of a background at, about me and, and also my Andrew and I connect on the topic of, of fat phobia mm. at work a lot is. Um, because I, I come from a, mm-hmm. a, an HR and recruitment background, you know, quite similar to, to Andrew. So I've worked for a lot um, yeah. <laughs> to develop employee engagement, you know, increase the culture, fix their attention. But more importantly, the uh, focus has been on hiring, yeah, which traditionally is a very image-centered, an image-centered mm-hmm. role, if you will, right? And so yep. for me, yep. I already was challenging that coming into um, a, a high-end role at the time that only... Developed and, and got busier really and and more valuable. Mm. I ironically came into it as my healthiest. I mean, I was training at the gym um three yep. times, three to four times a week with a personal trainer twice a week. um This was when I was at, at the peak of my career. Mm. So I was, uh, hang on, yeah, yeah, I was about four or five years into my HR career and out of the eight. Um, and then had spent obviously before I became a coach the the last three to four years prior to that, working for, for an organization at my peak. Right. So I just wanted to find some context. So coming into that, ironically, I was at my healthiest, right? I was eating, I mean, reasonably well, I wasn't doing anything cold Turkey. I wasn't on a diet, but I was on a solid, you know, high protein veg, pretty balanced nutrition plan, training at the gym. I was doing what I could to have some balance in my week. And have a healthy approach to work yep. life balance and And, and yep. so, fast forward, when, when I continued to really excel um, and do well and really started to drive change within the company, this is the irony of it all. When I really started to influence and drive change within the company, because the way that I recruited for the business had nothing to do with image, period, and was a very, very mm-hmm. practical, objective, but also heart led, soul led approach to. People putting the human back resources and yep. completely changing, you know, hiring strategy, how how all of that worked. Eventually, changing team cultures, which you know developed the of the business. Yep, is when I started to experience that a little bit more directly subtly but direct and this was actually coming mm-hmm. from management ironically this was coming from people who mm-hmm. should be leading a business that you know they they want to embody diversity mm-hmm. and inclusion with leading the way mm-hmm. and not you know <laughs> dabbling into I guess yeah even their own perceptions or their own ideologies right an example I could probably give mm-hmm. is you know, t- wanting to take on, for example, a well-being project. So, I'm here, you know, and I become this this think tank and this person that just spews ideas, you know, all around. And great, inspiring, yep. amazing, and that's the work that really fulfilled me in yep. my career. However, for some reason, there was resistance to me being the spokesperson for well-being, leading that oh, project okay. to a close. Okay. anytime it was about presenting myself in a way where I would be at the forefront to lead I knew it was because I was Mm -hmm. plus size I knew it was because conversation always somehow came Mm -hmm. up about who has the most fitness who eats the healthiest who's eating the cleanest in the team um Uh, you know and it started with It started with comments about food, like what I was taking for lunch. Not just me, actually, someone who sat next to me mm-hmm. isn't, and as a guy, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, the mm-hmm. started mm-hmm. around at food shaming. Yep. Really, it was and it was subtle, and then it got a little yeah. bit pretentious because you know all mm-hmm. all I was sort of hearing around mm-hmm. the conversation around. Physical well-being was this image-driven. Very, you know, you have got to look good and go to hot yoga twice a week. And if you're not you're doing it like half of the leadership team, then yep. you're doing it wrong. You know. And now, I mean, I look back and I'm like, yep. um, yep. you know, go if yep. yourself. <laughs> but um, yep. but when it starts yep. with yep. Yep. Food yep. shaming, I mean, yep. how many of us can relate yep. to that, right, outside of work? Mm. And yep, and even at work. Oh, even at work, the thing, right? It's like, yes, yep. It it can start so subtly yep. but your brain and your subconscious, like I was mentioning yep. earlier, yep. it picks up on everything and it mm-hmm. everything. Yep. Yeah. What happens is like a little yep. gremlin. And yep. throughout your life, when you get little triggers, any type of trigger at all, that yep. gremlin's gonna come out and be like, oh, remember the time that you took this for lunch? And like, yeah, and you know, your brain's like, Well, yep. that is making you fatter, and therefore, you know, it's rather like that. Something unworthy yeah. and and yep. yep. and blah blah. blah. Yep. F- food shaming aside, yep, <laughs> food shaming aside, it was just you know, comments around, for example, being a, a quite a juicy and voluptuous woman myself. The guys might like it, but at work, yes. all of a sudden it turned into solely a conversation around the clothes I was wearing. Now, I don't dress, but we can all relate to oh. the fact that accidents happen wardrobe malfunctions happen when you were a voluptuous woman yeah because you have yeah. your curve to work with and there's more junk in the trunk yeah at the top and the bottom <laughs>
0: not, yeah
1: you no know, it's not like I was intentionally yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. um trying to do or be anything but it's just thoughts people had
0: you know, mm-hmm. this is
1: where I think it's really yeah. important to to start looking at if we were having a conversation about leadership, start looking at conscious mm-hmm. leadership versus, you know, leadership where you bring your own toxicity into yeah. how you lead people. And, and that was that was yeah, very absolutely. much what was going on. Yeah. And when I think back yeah. and I look wow. at the women, because it was mostly women, I think about and look mm-hmm. at the women who were doing this they were fundamentally so insecure and anxious about their own bodies, their own weight, how they looked, how they yeah. ate. That unfortunately, it was mm-hmm. having the reverse effect where if you chose to be a more conscious, kind and evolved yeah. human, you know, you could go down the path of being more curious or trying to look at something from a perspective or
0: yeah.
1: finding your own. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. But that wasn't the case.
1: And I think yeah. that's a, a really important thing for me to mention yeah. You know, you know that saying yep. how it's how um a lot of the times when our friends tell us we shouldn't be offended at something and when people are trying to bring us down, they say, well, they're only doing it to make mm. themselves feel better. I mean truly, truly, mm. as someone who was dealing with um, you know, leaders in a in a business um that were either twice my age or at least a decade older, so a couple of one or two generations above. Mm. You know, still adopting that mentality, bringing that into work. I mean, of course, it's inappropriate as anything, but that was so ingrained in their mind. Mm-hmm. The yeah, yeah so I was going to say. It's programming. And so, mm. so that's a really classic case yeah. in, of what's happening, right?
0: I was yeah.
1: genuinely trying to show up yeah. and just do yeah. the best job I could possibly do. But all of a sudden, when yeah. I was right yeah. at my peak and yeah. performing at my best, right? In my career, in that role yep. specifically, these like subtle jabs or yep. comments or digs or however you want to phrase it. All of a sudden, became me struggling mm. with my self esteem and my self worth and self confidence, and that took uh, my confidence to the point where I literally, yeah. I did not want to physically yep. show up to the office more than three days a week. I was like, I don't need to be here. I don't want to be here. And we had a wow. completely open plan office, yep. right? So. Yeah. I, okay. and I had great relationships yep. I truly did um and mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. it, it's important to also maybe down the line explore is that is it, when it happens at work is it mostly coming from men and women because I've experienced this more from women than I have from men um in terms of the phobia at work mm. and you know the need to maybe mm. things. and I'm not saying that that's an
0: mm. issue but yeah. important
1: to understand as women yeah. how actually talking to and understanding yeah. each other when it comes to having different body sizes yeah what we yeah we're not careful as yeah. we sit there yeah. and we project all over each other because we're fundamentally insecure
0: that's yeah. what it
1: is <laughs> yeah i promise it's not about the way that you're yeah going. it's yeah. about the fact that you're fundamentally yeah. insecure about something yeah. that is bringing up those emotions or those triggers for you but then project that out to somebody else right I, I
0: don't sit mm, here. I'm not mm, mm. well I don't know if it's a um I don't know if it if mm. it's their sort of weakness or I, I think, think it's the their internalized fat phobia that's, that's coming out. That's yeah, where yeah, you know we've really yeah, got
1: to yeah. um not only you know obviously put out safe safer messaging like are now or hopefully people understand mm. this, this is exactly if you are experiencing this, you know whether that's at work or outside of work, that's what I want you to understand is that whether yeah. that's coming from from yeah. whoever's saying yeah. whatever to you, whether that's coming from their own self esteem, and I guarantee it is, I guarantee it is, but whether that's coming from their own self esteem or you know their own issues and the way that they see their own bodies, it is a hundred percent their own internalized fat phobia and even being generalized because how they're Mm -hmm. experiencing weight or weight stigma or being overweight or looking at someone whose body is different to theirs it it cannot possibly happen that someone goes out of their way to make a comment to you Mm -hmm. unless it comes from a part of them that rejects part of themselves
0: yeah 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 absolutely yeah yeah
1: and so It's yeah, really important to, to yeah. remember because, um, we don't know, yeah. we, we're so caught up in the way that it makes us feel, and rightfully so, that it's really easy to sit there and, and be yeah.
0: like, oh, God, I'm so cool. Yeah, 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 you know? yeah, yeah. So, how mm-hmm. did you, yeah, were you able to navigate that 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 phobia in that yeah, situation? I, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I did, and I'll tell you how I did it.
1: <laughs> uh, um, I, I mean, I appreciate, yeah, awesome. my personality, but... <laughs> Yeah, but yeah. Look, I um, <laughs> I I addressed it directly. That that's what I did. I didn't want it time because I was like, okay, oh my god, I'm at the peak of my career. Yep.
0: my job. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, that yeah. That it took, took one a lot of day
1: courage. for me to realize that if this is the thing about a job that I love that is making me cry and feel uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Bringing mm-hmm. my body into the office, which I love by the way, <laughs> um mm-hmm. which I loved at the time, but mm-hmm. <laughs> I still do. But I, I really did have a, I did have a healthier relationship with my body. Yep. Is what I'm saying. Yeah. And if that was causing yep. me to to feel this way, and it is under like bullying, what it is, and nobody was addressing mm-hmm. it, nobody was addressing it, which drove me nuts. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, and yep. I just was like, this is not this is not diversity inclusion diversity and bullshit like this is not diversity
0: Mm -hmm. yeah yeah yeah
1: yeah. this is not the way to be feeling at work period you know our whether you work in a corporate or a startup I don't care where you work you can work in a. if your work environment does not provide a sense of psychological safety for you they're doing it wrong Mm
0: -hmm. and so yeah. So when it yep, got to a I point agree. where it
1: was affecting me to the point where I realized that I was stress eating more. And actually my trainer had to me. And after then I, you know, mm-hmm. went a slump and I stopped trading. And of course, you know, a kind of bit of a rabbit hole of needing a break from all it. Mm-hmm. I realized I have yep. to have a conversation. So that's what I did. I had a really straight up conversation. Mm-hmm. This was the first time I think I fully confronted my boss at the time and literally said to myself, mm-hmm. I don't care if I lose my job. I just don't care talked about so I literally had a mm-hmm. conversation with her and I straight up said this is going to be a very short conversation but I have to say something and it started off very gentle and I was obviously met in defense as you would if you were mm-hmm. confronting someone in an entire way mm-hmm. you know and I said to her and I'm mm-hmm. like you cannot create a culture of diversity and inclusion if we are not addressing the comments that are made that are actually now making me feel like really repulsed to even have this conversation I've just said to her I feel yeah. it's really inappropriate I want you to stop, you know, like you specifically, I would like you to stop making these comments mm-hmm. as a leader in our business. And if you're hearing other people talking yep. about it, I really like would appreciate if you stepped up and healthier conversation about yep. what is being said, because you know, like whether we have this yep. discussion about what's going on with me or not is affecting my ability to yep. show up and, and be my best at work. And I don't want to feel this way, you yep. know? and that was, I guess, that was my yep. part. It took a while, after, I think, to yep. things to, I guess, really simmer down. But it was, you know, it was not easy because, because yeah. yes, I, I mean, oh, I, I no, no. was the face of the business. I was, the, yeah. I was the reason that they were getting new employees walking through the door. You know, and to
0: that
1: kind of a position, yep. all of a yep. sudden, became about image,
0: which yep. I detested.
1: You know, it's not my philosophy. Yeah, so. And
0: yeah, yeah. And was yeah. It was really yeah. It was really uh,
1: honest. I wasn't rude. I was just upfront, and yeah. I said, "Look, this is, this is really bothering me, and I need yep. to have this conversation. And I don't know who else to have it with. So here we are."
0: Yeah, fantastic. Yeah, oh fun. my god, I'm so proud of you. That would have been one of the hardest I, conversations you know, of was, your life. I imagine. I'd be
1: lying if I said to you that I wasn't treated differently as a result. For a while, yeah.
0: Things, After the concert. things got better, oh, you know, how disappointing! Did, but anytime yeah, okay, you have a, a hard yeah.
1: conversation with someone as we know we're each other. If, anytime you have a hard yeah. conversation with someone, especially if it's yeah. one that mm. you know provides them an opportunity to be self reflective, not a self aware person, mm. and it's Examining their own behavior, mm. you're going to get two kinds of people: someone who sits there and listens mm. to you, yep. and you know, and is like, "Wow, you know, I didn't even realize that." Um, followed by, "I'm so sorry." Or you're going to be met with a classic human yes. defense mechanism, which is just to either resist or deflect mm-hmm. what's being said. And so,
0: unfortunately, yeah. I was met with, yeah. with that
1: first yeah. kind of behavior. I was probably not going to be yeah. easy for me to navigate, but I did the thing which was speak up about it. Yeah. I mean,
0: throwing a tent. Yeah, absolutely. Gonna... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I know. I know. So, yeah. So, given your experience, mean what advice would you give to someone who was experiencing fat phobia in the workplace and yeah. wanted to have yeah, a conversation really to address it?
1: I think I appreciate not every company has an HR department, but they really are like your, your go-to people. So yeah it is in your business who deals with people and culture or the human resources side of things someone from that team you know and the appropriate roles to go and approach would be if you've got an HR manager or HR director even if they do have an executive role I Mm -hmm. mean you know it depends you know who else is in the team if you've got like an HR advisor a well-being consultant someone who you know you can go and at least approach and have that conversation with always Always bring it up, um, even though yeah, it's able yeah. to it bring up. But have the conversation with someone who's the most approachable, because the worst thing about bringing it directly to management, yeah, um, and this is where where businesses need to actively work on how they're working through their own fat phobia and their leadership teams. Mm-hmm. Sometimes that can can backfire, and it's not because you've done anything wrong, but it's because it's gone above and beyond someone's head, yeah. right? Because they've got- from their world and their perspective, yeah. they've got 101 yeah. things to worry about. Why we have fat phobia at work, right? Yeah. So,
0: so the difference yeah. I think for yeah. me is it's yeah. so
1: important to go and yeah. approach someone who is approachable and can actually sit down and listen to what you're saying. And the second thing is always yeah. make sure you're following up With whoever it is that you spoke to around what is being done about it. And you know, I mean, everyone has to assess their own situation. How severe is it? I mean, is this straight up bullying? If it is, it absolutely needs to be addressed. If it's not, then we need to set stricter boundaries as employees to say, if this doesn't get resolved, I'm gonna find a house to work. And that can be really scary if you know you're you're very income dependent right now, if life's feeling really hard and you're feeling like, oh my God. Mm Change jobs, but yeah. also, yeah. The question I think I would pose as a challenge to anyone if they are and if they know they're being directly bullied about their weight at work is why do you want to work mm. for an employer why is treating you that way? Mm. Because it is a hundred and thousand percent unacceptable. Yeah you know, and I feel like, you know, these kind of behaviors get slid under the rug more in your sort of blue collar industries and roles where you might not necessarily have an HR team on the ground or, Mm. you know, accessibility is reduced. But if there's another thing I'd say is whether or not this is a severe case of fat phobia or bullying or not another really awesome thing to do Mm. is if you've got a diversity and inclusion team then then yeah because
0: yeah that's um, what i was going to suggest or employee resource groups
1: uh, they can be a good um larger teams they might have a a committee outside of hr that is responsible for diversity inclusion yeah and the third thing i would say is yeah check with your employer if you've got something like in New Zealand, we have something called, uh, in Australia, we have EAP services. So, you know, employment, employment yes, assistance yep, services yep. where you can get either free counselling or free peer support, whether or not your company offers something like that yep. or some type of sort of yep. line or somewhere where
0: you get, yes you
1: know, subsidised or, or yeah. free yeah. support and to a very neutral party. And a lot of the time... Yep because the people on the other end yeah. of the phone actually deal with, you know, complaints or situations like this on um, on a basis more often than not, they might actually be able to give you a very objective view yeah. on what they would do and things that they see happening and going yeah. on. Um, and and that's, that's, yeah. honestly,
0: that's what I why Yeah, did. yeah, <laughs> what yeah. I, yeah. Well, yeah, I've, yeah, I've used EAP think, to help with yeah, uh, uh, think, difficult honestly, conversations like before too. Yeah, they can really give you that,
1: yeah, and I was going to yeah, say, so, I yeah, you go. at the time probably thought that I was. <laughs> I think they thought I was struggling with some some type of like low productivity or mental health issue or something, you know. And I just had to just like, ah, actually, well, this is what's freaking going yeah. on, <laughs> you
0: know. So. And on, yeah, exactly. And it's like any relationship if you're not being mm-hmm. treated with respect. How can you possibly be your best and bring yourself to work and, and reach your full potential if you're constantly being belittled or bullied or made to feel bad about who you are? There, there's no. no way you can and reach the other your thing, full potential. You know, I just remember
1: to say is, um, this wasn't just, just happening to me, by the way. And at the time, I was so overwhelmed about it. Mm-hmm. And part of it was just so,
0: mm-hmm. I guess, just.
1: Yeah. and shocked that this was even. yeah I had to have a conversation about at work yeah um I was so in my own world yeah but, you yeah. know yeah. once yeah. time had passed my goodness yeah. I realized it was the same people too I realized
0: that it was happening with other people as well
1: yeah, yeah.
0: absolutely yeah. I and um, I agree yep and I realized once I started talking about it, that it was happening yeah, totally. to more people really. than I knew. And about. I mean,
1: look, it's, it is mm. awkward, you know, and, and sometimes I addressed it with, with my, with my team as well. And another mm. team members, but the thing I, I really, really would love to tell anyone listening to this may experience this in the future, mm. or maybe is currently going through this is. You can have a chat with your friends and your peers or your team about it. The experience that you're feeling in your mind, yep. your heart and your body around this conversation is so valid and needs to be nurtured and addressed, mm-hmm. and needs to be solution. Yeah, And so I really, really want everybody to, yeah, absolutely. to please just advocate for yourself because you can talk to other people when Mm. I was talking to my team about it they were so uncomfortable just they didn't know what to do and also they didn't Mm -hmm. have the experience Mm -hmm. actually they yeah the HR experience to be able to yeah figure out oh my gosh well well, what happens now you know so so be obviously a little bit more mindful about who you share this with especially if it's happening at work but always advocate for yeah. yourself because yeah. it's important to not forget at the end of the day yeah. that you are a whole human, not just your body or your weight. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, your, your weight is a part of you.
0: Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you're yeah, you. you're a whole human. Yeah, you deserve yeah. To be yeah.
1: seen and heard and respected yeah. and honored and celebrated, especially at work yeah. when you're working so yeah. hard.
0: Yeah.
1: So if at any point
0: yeah absolutely
1: um, mm. you know give yourself as much self-compassion mm. and and love as possible throughout that process but advocate mm. and speak up for yourself because so much of my sense of empowerment mm. as a plus-size woman actually came having those conversations yeah that was the onset, and then yes, it became absolutely really much, you know less yep. awful to talk about yeah when I say talk about it on dates by the way the men haven't necessarily made it a problem it's just that I was forward about um asking yeah. very direct questions to the point where you know i would i would literally say if you've been used to to dating women who for example are smaller than me and you know i'm juicy and voluptuous so how do you feel about that a lot of people mm-hmm. never ask that on a date but i i do yeah cool <laughs> because, <laughs> because
0: yeah can. yeah and awesome because, you know it, yeah and that yeah good of, yeah you know,
1: self-advocacy and yeah. confidence and somewhat of a resilience i hate that we even have to have resilience yeah this, but what about the resilience that comes from
0: yeah um, yeah
1: being open about talking about body positivity body
0: positivity, yeah
1: and being yeah. a beautiful juicy voluptuous curvy woman because you are mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> it comes from starting to have the hard conversations and if they let them be messy but at least yeah you're starting to advocate for and the more you do it, yeah. the more aware you yeah. become of how powerful it feels to honor yourself in those moments.
0: Mm-hmm. That's exactly
1: what you're doing. When you're doing that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Arneen <laughs> Asan, what a fabulous, juicy, <laughs> juicy conversation. I That's have absolutely, word. yeah. I love that word, voluptuous <laughs> and juicy. Yeah, love it. Love it. What an amazing conversation. I just want to say thank you so much for everything you've shared with us today. You you've shared with us some vulnerabilities, uh, you've shared with us some of your lived experience, but also your uh you, the courageous action that you took and your and your bravery in advocating for yourself. And hopefully that's given you, our listeners, some great tips on how you might be able to do that or prepare yourself or get support to, to do that for yourself and feel that empowerment that Arneen feels as well so thank you so much Arneen we really appreciate everything you've shared with us today
1: I wish the listeners all the best in their body positivity journey but really what it is it's a self-love journey and I really I yeah you guys you're all loved and everybody is is worthy and like I said you're a whole human so I wish you all the best on your journey of, of advocating mm-hmm. for your beautiful curviness and um, if you need to sing out then reach out to andrea
0: or myself thank you so much for listening to this amazing episode with arneen asan if you'd like to learn more about arneen head on over to www.andreawestbrook.com.au forward slash latest episodes forward slash arneen asan thank you for listening to the curvy culture podcast I love having you here. If you have enjoyed this episode, make sure you subscribe at your favourite podcast platform so that you don't miss an episode. And while you're there, I would love it if you could leave a rating and review. And don't forget to share it with a friend so that they can come and hang out with us too.